Well, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 13, and we get to continue talking about God's love. How many of you know, when you start talking about God's love, you never finish? It's true. God's love is so great. It's so deep. It's so wide. It's so great. It's so wonderful. We never stop learning and experiencing and sharing about God's love. And so we're focusing on that portion of this 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians that's often neglected. Now, as I mentioned last week, we're used to hearing this chapter read at a wedding. How many of you like to hear this chapter uh, read at a wedding? Absolutely, it's important. How many of you know that the application goes beyond the wedding service? The Apostle Paul wasn't really talking specifically about wedding. He was talking about love and how important it was for Christians which also applies to marriage, right? Because a husband and wife in Christ, our first brother and sister in Christ, depend upon the love of God to sustain their marriage. But the principle of love which sustains a marriage is based on the principle of God's love that sustains all of us. And this love is so very, very important. In your journey of faith, have you discovered in deeper measure, the love of God? Have you realized at greater heights God's grace and mercy? Have you found out that God loves you so much more than you ever imagine or ever will know? Truly, the magnitude of God's love is a great mystery that we never fully explore. i never forget uh, a testimony from uh, Dr. Roy Hayden, a distinguished Old Testament scholar, And he was uh, teaching Old Testament, been teaching the Old Testament for, I don't know, some 30, 40 years. And he said he was just hungry in his heart for a new experience with God. And he just didn't know why he was kind of on a plateau and feeling kind of stale. Has that ever happened to you? We all go through those experiences, don't we? And he said, what began to transform me and renew me supernaturally was when I began to think about God's love. And the more I thought about God's love, the more I realized how brittle and pharisaical and legalistic I had become, this great teacher of the Old Testament. And he began to pray that God would baptize him in love in a new and a powerful way, that the love of Christ would overflow in his life in a greater and greater way. And he said, and then the revelation came for me that I really needed. And this was his testimony. And I share it with you this morning because it's a testimony all of us need regarding the love of God. Now hear this, hear this. This is what Dr. Hayden said. He said, I realized that there is nothing that I could possibly do that would cause God to love me more than he does. And there was nothing I could possibly do that would cause me cause him to love me less than he does. Those are the two sides of grace, huh? In terms of we cannot earn God's love and favor And guess what? God loves us unconditionally. He loves us. It's not that He would uh, condone or overlook the sin, but He made every provision for our sin. He could not have loved us more. And we realize that, hey, eternity from here forward, or let's say from salvation forward, is about experiencing God's love in increasing measure. Do you really believe that? That's what it's about. That's what the future's about. But sometimes we get stuck in a kind of a self-condemnation or a self-righteousness that really limits 
our understanding of God's uh, great love. <clears throat> I uh, ran across, uh, again, uh, one of the great historic uh, sermons from the Great Awakening, <clears throat> Jonathan Edwards, his sermon on sinners <clears throat> in the hands of an angry God. How many of you have read that sermon or know about it? And uh, <clears throat> Edwards gave a, gra- a graphic description of hell and showed how... <clears throat> That fate was awaiting those who were outside the love of God. Well, God used that in a great way to help bring conviction that led to the great awakening. And we must realize that the judgment of God is very real and very important. And the fear and reverence of God is something so essential to our faith. And I believe that we're living in a culture today that needs more reverence for God and less cheap grace. How about you? The reverence, where we realize who God is and what He has done. But you know, I would say with most believers who are really trying to grow as disciples, grow in their knowledge of God, the problem is more on the side of not really being able to to accept God's love fully, feeling so unlovable. Have you ever felt unlovable? Realize this, God doesn't depend upon your feeling of lovability to love you. He loves you. He just loves you. And what great scriptures that we have. Let me give you a few of those scriptures. And I'm going to cover quite a few scriptures this morning. We don't have time to look them all up. But if you're taking notes, I'll pause and I'll tell you, we're going into a new area here and uh, these scriptures are important. What about God's love? Well, we read that uh, God's love is so very important. As we began last week, as Jesus was asked regarding the greatest commandment, He says to love God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, your might, and your neighbor as yourself. We know that it's commanded. That's reason enough, isn't it? For us to be obedient and love. To love the unlovely. I remember Sister Mabel Daw used to always talk about loving the unlovely. That is a a deep and mature spiritual concept that some Christians never quite come to and very few really master in terms of their relationships. You realize that God loves everyone, even the people that you don't like? And God's love is the answer for where our love falls short. Romans 5.5 says that God has shed abroad His love in our hearts through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? When our love falls short, we realize that we can draw upon God's love, which is so much greater than ours. Have you run out of love lately? Have you found that you became impatient? Have you found that you didn't have the mercy and grace that someone really needed? Well, listen, God knows that your resources are limited, and He wants to give you through the power of the Holy Spirit his love flowing through your life. Like the uh, the plumber who stood up and gave the testimony, he said, I just found out that God wants me to be a, a, a pipe elbow for Jesus. You know, what's a pipe elbow for Jesus? Well, what does a pipe elbow do? All it does is turn the direction, change the direction of the flow of water. And he says, I've got to be open at the top and open at the side so that God's love can flow through me to other people. Isn't there simple and powerful wisdom in that? Guess what? God's not limited to your love to love others. He wants to flow through you. 
First John chapter four says, "God is love." We really to know God is to know true love. And let me tell you the secret: the, the the better we know God, the more loving we become. John says, "If you say you love God and you hate your brother, you're lying, because." God's love is transformative. It does something in your heart that makes it incapable for you to hate others. Isn't that true? That the more we experience God's love, the more we love others. Jesus said that this love is so important. It's really the calling card for every believer, as he says in uh, <coughs> He said to his disciples, "By this shall all men know." that you are my disciples, that you shall love one another. That's in John chapter 13. It's interesting, in the studies about healthy churches and uh, why people visit churches and why people go back to visit churches. And the number one reason that people go back to a church isn't because of the sermon or the music or the facilities or the educational program. It's simply because the people in the church were friendly. Does that sound like love? Absolutely. Let's be reminded, this week as we're having our congregational meeting, we're thinking about who we are as a church and what we prioritize, that, hey, guess what? Friendly counts. <laughs> Kindness to people in need. Caring for people who are feeling rejected in this world to be a loving church. You know, there's nothing more important that could say about us here at Faith Chapel that we're a loving church. I want them to say that we're a good serving church. We're a praying church. We're a good church of the word. But Jesus would say the most important thing is that it'd be a loving church. Because somehow, if you've got love, you've got the most important thing. It seems to cover everything else. <clears throat> wow, God's love. How wonderful and how important. Now, Let's look at 1 Corinthians 13 and read these verses again, beginning with verse 8. And I want you to think about this. We started with this theme of what we know about God's love and what we don't know about God's love, based on Paul's own testimony of his understanding. Verse 8, love never fails. Wow, do you have that one underlined? But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. When, but when the perfect comes, the imperfect disappears. I bet you'll find yourself in verse 11. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see, but a poor reflection is in a mirror. But when we shall, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Well, Paul was at the place in his life where he really had the wisdom of many years of experience. And he was able to say, now, these are the things that I, that I really know at this season in my life. And these are the things that I don't know. And I hope that each of us gains the wisdom as we mature to realize there are things that we know and that there are things that we do not know. 
And it really is wisdom and humility before God to admit that we don't know it all. How many of you find it irritating to spend too much time with people who really think they know it all? There's a refreshing humility <laughs> about those who know in the wisdom of God certain things and those who are mature enough and wise enough to say, I really, I really don't know as much about that as I would like to, and so I leave that to the Lord. <clears throat> we must not be quick to jump to conclusions in the areas where we really don't know, but we must defer those things to God even as Paul did. Now, Paul said seven things, and I want to give them to you very specifically here, that he, that he knew about God and his love. And I want us to walk through these. First of all, in verse 8 he said, he knew this, that God's love would never fail. Hallelujah. Wouldn't fail an individual, a situation. Wouldn't fail the world. Wouldn't fail the whole universe. God's love would be consistent. And God's love would have the final word, the final decision. Would win the final battle. God's love would prove faithful. That's something good to know, isn't it? Now, he says that uh, Paul knew that uh, as love would never fail, hear this, number two, that prophecy would fail. Prophecy would fall short. And here he seems to say that, that there is a need in this world where we are living in a temporal universe a world under judgment, and the prophecy that we have and that we receive and that we are grateful for, and how important that prophecy is. But ultimately, that pro even prophecy is in limited in revealing the fullness of God. How many of you know that someday when we get to heaven, we're going to realize a lot of things that we didn't know or understand in this world, in this as much as we have received the prophetic word of God? we realize that prophecy falls short of fully revealing God's purposes. <clears throat> Number three, he says that Paul knew that not only prophecy would fail, but gifts of the Spirit would fail. How many of you believe the gifts of the Holy Spirit are important and are grateful for the gifts? We all are. But he's saying that the gifts of the Holy Spirit fall short of the glory of God, of manifesting the love of God, and we realize that these gifts, compared to seeing Christ face to face, really fall short of the ultimate. And so Paul is almost as if he's saying, be grateful for your gifts, but don't be so proud of your gifts that you think everything is revealed and fulfilled in the gifts that you have. Now, he even said in verse 8, that as prophecy and gifts fall short, so will knowledge. We are grateful for knowledge. How important it is to study God's Word, to learn and to continue to learn. But the truth is, all of the knowledge that we have falls short of the perfection of who God is, what He has done, His purposes in the universe, and how we must humble ourselves before God and realize the limitation of our knowledge. God has a way of uh, causing us to, to, to face 
You know, the humility of our circumstances, the limitation of our knowledge. I'll never forget uh, when <clears throat> I started to uh, teach in a university setting. And I just received my doctorate, you know, and was very happy and a little bit proud about that, of course. And got to this university setting, and my son was, I think, about four and a half, five years old. And he went with me into the office, into the classrooms, and was meeting some of my students. And he was watching, you know, taking all this in. And we got out to the car, and he got kind of quiet. And I said, well, I said, uh, what are you thinking about? And he said, well, he says, Dad, he said, those people called you doctor, but you're not really a doctor, are you? And I thought, now, I'm going to have to explain this to him. And I said, well, you know, son, there are doctors who work in hospitals that help sick people, and there are doctors that teach. And he thought for a moment, and he said, so you're a doctor that doesn't help anybody? <laughs> I thought, oh, no, a prophet. <laughs> There's a prophet born in our family. But to be a doctor that doesn't help anybody. How many of you know that there are lots of doctors that don't help anybody? And coming to the place of humility, you may have achieved great accomplishments in your knowledge and yet realize that knowledge falls short of who God is and what he's doing in the earth. Next we see in verse 12 where Paul really says, we need to know this, hear this, hear this, hear this. We need to know that in this life, we only know things in part. We don't know the whole thing. <laughs> we only know part. He says it's like looking into a glass, a dim glass, a clouded glass, a dark glass, and we see an image there that we are able to, to understand in part, but we realize that it's really not clear enough for us to make our final conclusions. And so we know in part. As knowledge falls short, we realize that we only know in part. So Paul knew this, that in this life, we only know in part. Now it continues in verse 10 and 11, and he says that, but when that which is perfect shall come, then we will see, we will know as we see God face to face, we will know all the things that God purposed us to know. But hear this, not until then. And let me say, be careful of that person who thinks they know everything. When God's word said that we will not know everything until the perfect comes where we see Christ face to face then it's something that God will ultimately reveal all the things that we need to know. You know, I'm perfectly happy, how about you, with those things that God chooses not to disclose to me about the universe. I can't know all that God knows. He's God. He needs to think about those things. I only need what I need to know to live my life that He's called me to live. And to be humble about that and to accept that. But realize that ultimately I will know everything that God wants me to know. Okay, and finally, this is the seventh thing that Paul said. Remember, number one, love will never fail. Number two, prophecy will fail. Number three, gifts of the Spirit would fail. Number four, knowledge would fail. Number five, that we know in part. Number six, that the perfect would come. And then number seven, get this one. This is really what the sermon is all about. 
Paul said, we need to grow up. When I was a child, what does it say? I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things behind me. This indicates that there's a process here where we grow and we mature and we become more like Jesus. And guess what? It takes time. It takes a real decision to put God first. It takes a real humility to seek the wisdom of God and not simply take the world's answers for all of our questions. And we realize that we're all in this process of growing up. I'll never forget uh, a man who was had a great responsibility for managing people and he had he was hiring hundreds of people every year in his large department and uh, he said you know you need to remember hear this that when you when a when someone brings you a resume that says 20 years of experience he said you need to make sure that it's really 20 years of experience and not one year of experience lived 20 times is that wise absolutely would that also apply to Christians can we do the same little things that make us comfortable and happy over and over again and think just because time is passing, we're growing? Oh, listen, to grow in God is a journey of faith. It's moving from faith to faith. <laughs> it's climbing great mountains. It's going through deep valleys. It's reaching farther and beyond and seeing how God has this greater purpose for us. And so Paul knew this. We all need to grow up. We all need to grow up. And by His grace, we are able to do that. <clears throat> well, I want to talk to you about the things that Paul didn't know, the unseen, the mysteries, the things in the glass. And I'll pick that up next week as we continue to talk about God's love. And so we know that there are great limitations in this world in our knowledge, in our ability to comprehend God's purposes. But we know that God is doing a great work in helping us to mature and grow and be established in this faith. I believe there's a lot here for Faith Chapel as we approach our congregational meeting. Think about, okay, well, what do we know and what don't we know? And what would God have us do in terms of our priorities in this new year? <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. We ask you to help us as a church to see your love. How do we, Lord, fathom this? Lord, how deep, how great, how, how wide. Lord, we need your love as much as we've ever needed it. And we thank you, God, that there's nothing we can do that would cause you to love us more. And there's nothing we can do that would cause you to love us less. For your love is perfect and complete and ultimately unconditional. Lord, help us to be baptized afresh in your great love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to invite you this morning to respond to God's word by responding to God's love. And just know that God is reaching out to you with his great loving arms as much as he ever has. And right now he's saying at this time and season in your life, I want you to know how much you love me. He's saying just accept it. How many of you uh, know that it's very uncomfortable when you reach out to hug someone and they don't hug back? Okay. Could you possibly do that to God this morning? As God is reaching out to hug you and love you, are you going to hold back? 
Are you going to accept his love? Accept his embrace? Are you going to say, yes, Lord, you love me and I love you? And if you've been having trouble being sure of God's love for you recently, I encourage you to take a step of faith and just open your heart. I say, oh, God, thank you for loving me. Guess what will fix your feeling of unlovability? Accepting God's love for you. Because guess what? God's opinion about you is more important than your opinion about you. And if he says you're lovable, worthy of his, you take that by faith. Don't we do that as parents? We love our kids whether they feel loved or not. We keep loving them even when there's, there's not a lovely feeling. We keep loving them. That's the way God feels about us. And so can you just accept his love, his outreach? Just, just crawl up into his arms this morning. We're going to sing this again. I want you to just respond to God's love in your own personal way this morning. And let me mention that if you're not sure of your relationship with God this morning and you'd like prayer regarding your salvation, please come forward. We want to talk with you and pray with you and help you know that you are saved. Father, we thank you for your great love for us, which is so far beyond our comprehension. But Lord, you love us. You love us. You really do love us. And you want us to respond to your love just by faith and accepting, oh God, accepting the fact that you love us, even though we feel so very unlovable so much of the time. Help us, oh God, to be encouraged. Help us uh, to carry your love as we realize that your love has been shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And Lord, help us to be loving towards one another and towards this world because your love transforms us to be a channel of your love and blessing to others. We thank you for this time together. We ask you to dismiss us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. God bless you.